Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We ask for your spirit to be at work among us, deep in our hearts, our minds, and into our lives with the power of your word that can change hearts, minds, and lives. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. We're in the middle of this series that we're calling Teach Me to Pray, and we're using that prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, where God of the universe, our creator, invites us into intimate conversation with him by saying, well, call me dad, Abba, Papa. It's the first thing that Jesus taught us when he gave us this model of prayer. Now, you're pretty familiar with the Lord's Prayer. You even know it by heart, I'm sure. We find it a source of comfort and inspiring, a nice prayer, a safe prayer when we all say it together. What's the big deal? Well, this prayer is far from rote, and instead it should be wrenching. It's supposed to say, shake us free from where we're stuck, stuck as self-absorbed and self-serving people, turn us in a, in a new, better direction. Take a look at who gets to pray this prayer. It's for those who call God Father. It's a prayer designed, every bit of it designed, to have God shape us into his children. For when we begin to pray it and pray it repeatedly, we start to understand that God is God and we are not. Hallowed be your name, we say. And this prayer begins to shape us. And we discover that his will is what's good, better, best for us, not our own. And that doing his will here on earth, well, that, that's heavenly. That we are not self-sufficient like we think we are. But in being dependent on him, our wants and needs are simpler than we've made it. And God our Father is responsible for daily providing for us. And when we begin, when we begin to live each day as his children, his kingdom comes and it begins to spread. This prayer should have warning tape all over it. This is not a safe prayer. It's dangerous for the way that we're used to living. <laughs> but it's a good prayer for who we are. And today this prayer really, really brings it home. In fact, I don't know about you, but sometimes I choke on these words. Well, see for yourself. Let's read these words together from Matthew 6. Pray then like this. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us as we forgive those who, what? Trespass against us. Now, doesn't that catch in your throat just a little bit? Don't you want to just get on to the next line, right? And just like that, Jesus teaching on prayer, and we can make it feel so routine, but his teaching on prayer is suddenly wrenching. Here Jesus is grabbing us and saying, I want you to be willing to deal with all the garbage that comes between you and God. And at the same time, address all the drama that puts you at odds with others. Jesus is saying, hey folks, 
This is a reality. I'm not leaving this part out. Jesus is saying, sisters and brothers, you have to deal with this. And I want you to deal with it by praying about it. So let's dive in. The word that we use most often to talk about our broken relationship with, with the creator God and that broken relationship between us and others, well, the word we mostly use is what? Sin. It means we're missing the mark. We failed to get it right. So in the reading that we had from Matthew this morning, at least from the New Living Translation, it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we hear sin and know that it means hurt and pain when we sin and when others sin against us. But there's, there's a little more flavor to the original word that Jesus uses. In Matthew 6.14 in the English Standard Version of the Bible, it uses the word trespasses. Trespass. Somewhere, somehow, we crossed the line. We deviated from the right path. We're out of bounds. Now, in addition to pain and hurt, there's this sense of a violation, of injury. And here at Trinity, in the Lord's Prayer, we use the word trespass. But the word Jesus uses has even further depth to it. It implies that our sin, our trespass, has created an obligation. And now we owe, we owe others for that pain and injury we've caused. We owe a penalty for going out of bounds. We owe God and others our best. <laughs> and when we miss the mark, when we trespass and sin, we owe big time. The trouble comes <laughs> when we owe and we're bankrupt. But more on that later. Therefore, we also find the word debts used in translating the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven those in debt to us, our debtors. Now, we don't use the word debts often because it's most obvious connotation, financial obligation. Most of us here today are debtors, but we, we, we know it's good debt. Chances are you have mortgage debt from buying a home. Some of us know about student loan debt. And probably all of us are familiar with credit card debt. You know, where we purchased that 50-inch television with zero down, and now we have high-definition debt. <laughs> it's so worth it. <laughs> but in each of these cases, it's a willing exchange, something of value received in exchange for debt. For the right home, the right car, the right TV, we're willing to go into debt. Ah, uh, if only our bank would forgive us our debts. But what we're talking about here in this prayer is when we've just taken something of value, when we've robbed someone of their possessions, their reputation, their honor, their security, their accomplishment, their future. Whatever it was, we took it away from them on purpose or just by a careless comment. And we refuse to see that it's created this huge debt. We think we can just ignore it. Let me put it this way. All debt, every debt has this in common. If you owe it, someday you will have to pay for it. 
about a year ago, Marge and I went to the baked apple in Downers Grove for, for breakfast after church. We wanted an omelet or the uh, delicious potato pancakes that they have, something we wanted. We walked in, we saw that there were some people there from Trinity. We waved or said hello, and then we just sat down for coffee. Came time for the bill. Server said, it's been taken care of. The bill had been paid. We didn't owe anything, even the tip. Our friends had paid the bill before they left. Marge said, that's awesome. I said, I should have gotten the steak and eggs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's never going to happen with my mortgage debt. No one else is going to be picking up the tab. If you owe it, you're going to have to pay for it. Jesus, because he's using this language of you owe, Jesus is inviting us to say sin, to see sin in the same way. Because when I, as his created being, even more when I, as his son, live out of step with him, going where I shouldn't, when I, when I live outside that get good and perfect will of the creator, well, When I go there, I wrong him. I owe him. Yet I keep doing my own thing. I I miss the mark. I cross boundaries, all the while harming others and myself. And all the while, I keep increasing this debt and borrowing against his kindness and grace. I injure God. And he keeps putting up with it. And I can't make it right. I can't make it better. I've created all this debt because I'm bankrupt to start with. The Bible says I was born into debt, and I just keep increasing it. And over time, it keeps adding up, mounting up more and more mountains of moral debt that I have no possibility of working off, even with two or three or a hundred lifetimes. And we all share this problem. Maybe we have a big-time grudge against that neighbor with the obnoxious pet. Maybe we owe a family member for the lie we told or a friend we took advantage of. Maybe we owe a coworker for sabotaging their project for what we think are all the right reasons. Or perhaps we owe a spouse for broken promises, fidelity, and trust. Or maybe... Maybe we just hate someone, or we daydream about our own pleasure. You see, in each of these situations, we took something from others for our own selfish reasons, and now we have this mountain of debt. We owe big time. Selfish reasons. And now we have this mountain of debt, and we can't have this guilt-free relationship with our father in heaven. He's still our father, but we've created some real blockage in that relationship, and we haven't dealt with this, and it's a problem. Why? Because we know how debt works. Someday we will pay. That's just one side to it. There's more. Not only have we gone in debt to the creator, but there are others who have gone into deep debt to us. This is not news to any of us here. There are other people, other people who owe me big, right? They've trespassed in my life. They've sinned against me. Some of this is big stuff. 
And a lot of it is petty, but all of it is real. Someone betrayed you. Someone took advantage of you. Someone you trusted attacked you or molested you. A spouse who belittles you. You see, not only do I sin against others, but others sin against me. And we often don't deal with that. We'll lie to them and ourselves and we'll say, oh, that was no big deal. Or we'll punish them, punish them in inventive ways with this passive-aggressive behavior. Or, or we'll try to get even with them or make sure they pay for what they've done. And it's all unhealthy. This sinning against God and the sins others commit against us, it's unhealthy because it's all debt. And it manipulates us. It manipulates, manipulates our motives and our actions. Everybody owes and nobody can really pay. It's a prison. This is a true story. Renee Napier is the mother of four, including a set of twin daughters. And one night, one of the twins, Megan, who was age 20, was with her best friend when their car was struck by a drunk driver. Both girls were killed. The driver, Eric Smallridge, survived and he was brought to trial. Renee, the mom, talks of how devastated she was. This joyful, heart of gold daughter, gone in an instant. Next thing she knows, she finds herself watching Eric, a 24-year-old man, get sentenced to prison for 22 years. A terrible price for terrible debt. And yet Renee found herself in this darkest place. Eric owed her the life of her daughter. And a lifetime in jail is still poor exchange. This guy, Eric, was behind bars, but Renee said she felt like she was the prisoner. She had all this bitterness, this hatred built up towards this young man. Renee, too, was in debtor's prison. What can be done with all this debt, all this crushing debt we owe, that others owe us? It's, it's something only our dad can take care of for us. And what does he do with our debts? He <laughs> forgives them. Now, maybe that word has lost some meaning for you. By forgiveness, we mean that debt is paid, so it's paid. So the relationship can be restored. It's not forgotten. It's paid. But God doesn't just look at what we owe and say, ah, oh, forget about it. Get out of here. No. That debt is real. It has to be paid. And just like my free lunch at the baked apple, somebody had to lay down their MasterCard. But God has taken payment for what we owe. It's just that he doesn't take the payment from us. Let's read this together. God has reconciled you to himself by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. God has restored a relationship with us. He's paid all our IOUs. We are free. But it was costly. Jesus had to lay down his life. Now you might be saying, you don't know how much I owe. 
stuff I struggle with, stuff that I've done that can't be restored. I tell you, it doesn't matter. God himself has said that you do not owe him anymore. Jesus paid for it on the cross. There are no accusations left against you. That's good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. God throws his arms around you and says, you're my family. You need to know that. I want you to know that if you don't. But here's where things get really interesting. Whatever God gives you is always meant to be shared. Would you you read that with me? Whatever God gives you is always meant to be shared. That's true with your stuff. It's true with your talent. And it's true with forgiveness. The forgiveness God gives to me, that's meant to be shared. And that's beautiful until I have to do it. Because there are people who owe me and won't repay it or can't repay it. And it feels like you have to bear the cost for what they did until you realize that Jesus has stepped into this and he's paid the cost for them too. And you don't have to make them pay for it all over again. Which is finally where prayer comes in. Prayer is the place, the moment where I can deal with what I owe and what others owe me. I pray, Lord, how have I wronged you? Forgive me. I pray, Lord, others have wronged me. Help me to forgive. But Pastor Den, you think. Pastor Den, I thought you just said God has already totally forgiven me. That Jesus paid it all. So why do I have to say this prayer over and over again? Forgive me my sins, my trespasses. Well, friends, it's because we're thirsty people. This life is a journey through a parched desert. And life, life dries us out. We walk and stumble and make desert decisions that suck us dry. And then we remember, oh, Jesus gave us this life-saving water. I have water. And you drink what you have. After all, what fool chooses to be thirsty in the desert? Only it's not just a bottle of water in your backpack. Jesus has given you this waterfall that pours all over you, washing all the grit away, gives you new life. Yes, we are forgiven. But as we walk through this life, we also need to keep drinking in his forgiveness. And then God, because God gives it to me, I get to share it, forgiveness, with others. God forgives me and then asks me to take note of all the thirsty people that are in my life and give them a drink and ask nothing in return. Let's read this together. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, passionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, 
so you also must forgive. This doesn't happen automatically. It takes time. But that's what this prayer is for. It's daily working through the difficulty of forgiveness. To be able to say in our hearts and to say in our actions, you owe me nothing. And when that hurts, and it will, and when that stings, and it does, to be able then to come to Jesus and say, I've given all my water to unworthy people, and now I'm parched. And Jesus will look at you and say, I know, here, have more of mine. You too are set free. As the trial of Eric Smallridge went on, Renee felt like a prisoner in the darkest place. It was consuming her. And she found the words of Jesus, forgive those who trespass against you. She found those words were, were causing this inner turmoil in her, especially, especially since Eric seemed oblivious to how much he owed them. So she prayed Jesus' words from the cross over and over. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive him. At the end of the trial, Renee, along with the other families, was given the opportunity to make a victim impact statement. And as she stepped up before Eric was sentenced, stepped up before the judge, she turned to look at Eric and looked him in the eyes and said, I forgive you. Later, Renee said, I didn't know. I had no idea what forgiving would even look like. And Renee admits that her forgiveness at first was not complete. She was still filled with rage and confused. But she says at that moment, healing began for her and for both of them. And the ripples of that forgiveness were powerful. Eric was blown away. He said, I can't forgive myself, and she forgave me. And through this gift, he came to know God's complete forgiveness in Jesus. Through this gift, all of Renee's family have come to forgive Eric. And at her daughter's high school, Renee and Eric in his prison chains told their story, told the story of the consequences of careless behavior and of forgiveness. All because Renee shared the water that she'd been given with Eric. The singer Matthew West has written a song about this story of Renee and Eric, and he wrote these words. It's the hardest thing to give away and the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they caused is just too real. It takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. Now is the time for you to start dealing with debt. The debts you owe God, the debts others owe you. Can you start dealing with that this week? You pick up a take it home going out the door today. 
Because there's a gift our Father has given you and you are debt-free. Ask him to see that in your life. And as a child of the Father, you can be like him and share that same gift with other thirsty people. We do it, we do it through prayer. We wrestle through it by prayer. And when we ask, show me, Father, how to love the unlovable. Show me how to reach the unreachable. Help me now to do the impossible. Forgiveness. And if you pray that, you will see his kingdom come. Amen.